Did you know that there's three types of recruiters and they each have a specific focus on how to place people? Believe it or not, companies working with recruiters, they don't even make the difference between the types. Then within corporate recruiting, there's subtypes based on the size of the organization and the growth goals. And again, companies don't typically delineate the difference on the practice skills based on company needs. Hi, I'm Deva Mills, the Rebellious Recruiter. I've worked as a temp recruiter, third-party recruiter, contract recruiter, and corporate recruiter. Each of these positions required a complete different set of skills. And it seems a lot of people don't talk about this angle of recruiting. So today, we are. So grab a seat. Let's chat. So way back in 1996, I was a quote-unquote contractor for a government agency. Being a contractor, well, that was a term that was thrown around. The employees with GS rankings, they basically mocked those of us that were hired on through contracting agencies. And it was a reminder that I didn't have the benefits that they had. It also served as a budget barrier when RIFs or reduction in force were enacted contractors were always the first ones cut. It's part of the game. Sure enough, budget cuts came and a few of us contractors on floor four, we were cut. Prior to the cut, I had been sent to a lot of classes to learn all the ins and outs of all the software I needed to use on a daily basis. To this day, my knowledge of navigating Microsoft Word and Excel hits pretty high thanks to these classes. The very next day, I got a call from a friend of a friend. She was a sales manager for a temp service near me. I got dressed up, grabbed a clean copy of my resume, and went to the service for an appointment. Halfway through my interview, the branch manager walked in, picked up my resume, and said, can you start on Monday? You see, their front desk person, their office manager, she was out on emergency medical leave. So while I wasn't truly recruiting, I was meeting people when they came in, I was administering skill tests, I was doing all the preliminary recruiting things. I even got frustrated because there were several branches and I had to call other branches to get people on their books because we were all using paper planners. So I took the time to visit all the locations and I connected Outlook between them so we could all schedule for each other and reduce phone calls. I was also kind of bored one night while I was alone and I started playing with a can of mace and I shot one of our testing computers. Mace melts plastic on computer monitors in case you wanted to know. Anyway, a few weeks later, the office manager returned and I was offered the opportunity to pick up any job listed in the database and they would send me out to it. A send out, that's a recruiting term used. It means interview. So if you know me, I love a good challenge. And I found this job that turned over several people. They had two owners, and they were really the embodiment of the odd couple. The Felix character, he was scaring off the temps, as so noted in the file. So I asked to be sent out on that job. And a week later, I got the job offer. So why do I tell this story? Well, I got the job at the temp service due to my hard skills. And then I got the job with the client, which was an office furniture company, because of my hard skills. The temp service hired me because I understood how phone systems worked, and 
I was fully trained, thank you taxpayer dollars, on Microsoft products. The office furniture company eventually converted my contract to a regular employee. So that's how temp services work, generally speaking. They send out someone who's presentable and able to do the hard skills of the job. So does the person present right? Can they type or assemble a widget using a diagram? Do they know how to use a phone system or a forklift? Can they pass a drug test? Do they show up every day and are they reliable? Voila, they start the next day. Or if the company is using the service to hire regular employees, there might be an interview and then the person starts a week later. Companies like to use temp services for lower level positions when the ultimate goal is to hire because it's a great way to watch how the person performs over time. It allows the company to get the job done while they evaluate the culture fit over time. I left the office furniture job after a couple years to go into recruiting as a third-party recruiter. So enter a new way of recruiting. Third-party recruiters or executive recruiters. These are the type of people who are paid on a contingency fee or a retainer. They usually fill the position based on experience and culture fit. I entered this part of recruiting in 1999. These days, the contracts are almost identical 20 years later. The way they place candidates is largely the same as well. But the way they communicate with the candidate and get the candidate, well, that part, that's wholeheartedly different. So what do they look at? Well, even 20 years ago, the average fee I was getting was around $20,000 per person. Now, the house got half, and I only recruited. I didn't do any client management. So my take was considerably less. But it gave me good grounding for my career. We once had a client that made a big deal about a computer program needed. It was an estimating program commonly used in industrial construction. However, what they really needed was a killer-filled engineer, and they needed someone to work 60 hours a week in Hawaii. Let's be clear. Finding someone who knew the computer program, that really wasn't the issue. The long week in a state known for enjoying their R&R, that was the challenge. However, they insisted on the program. I had a candidate that fulfilled their requirements. She had two degrees, one of which was an engineering degree. She had her stamp. She was getting her master's, and she was bored working 40-hour weeks. And she was a local. She didn't have the exact experience they were looking for, but some companion experience. And she had a different program for estimating. Well, I got on the phone with the hiring managers, and they said that they heard we had a local, which I replied we did, but she didn't have the program i.e. the hard skill, right? Sure enough, they weren't interested in the program after all. They were more interested in the fringe skills, the soft skills, because they could teach her how to do their type of construction and they could teach her a computer program. Do you see the difference there? If this was a temp or a contract job, it becomes more immediate and more about what the candidate can do now. It's not the long-term game. When it's referred to as a perm placement, which, by the way, is a term I abhor because no one's permanent, it becomes more about the long-term prospect, and training becomes part of the commitment. Those candidates, they're usually looked at very differently, and the immediate cost is usually looked at as a long-term investment by the company. So now that brings us into corporate recruiting. 
When I first found my way into corporate recruiting, I had taken a year off. Well, actually, I had a vicious non-compete, and two of my friends and former co-workers got into a legal battle over the non-compete. So it was so bad, I wasn't even allowed to fill out an I-9. So I did what anyone does when they need benefits. I dumped my expensive car payment for an older used car, and I got a job at Starbucks so I could have benefits. One of my drive through regulars, she got a job as a corporate recruiter, and we started talking. My non-compete eventually came up, and she had a lead a few days later. She came zooming through the drive through handed me a name and a company, and a week later, I had an accepted job offer. And that's how I entered the world of HR, the world I had been taught to hate as a third-party recruiter. HR, that was our nemesis, and I was about to learn why. As I cut my teeth in corporate recruiting, I learned there were very few similarities in presenting candidates. That's where I started seeing the psychology of paying the $50 hamburger play out. As a corporate recruiter going into sales mode on hiring managers, it's not appreciated. I also saw what happened when I went from having 10 to 15 open positions at any given time, and then it shot up to 65 open positions, and then later to over 100. Looking back, I realized, and I've talked with executives, this is an unrealized part of corporate recruiting. There's really three types of recruiters in corporate recruiting. There's the full cycle recruiter, the recruitment project manager, and the recruitment program manager. So let's break these down. Be aware that the first two types of recruiters, they can have any level of experience. The third level is definitely a senior level in their career. And each type of these recruiters interface regularly with temp recruiters and third-party recruiters. So the full cycle recruiter. This is the person who might write the job description after they consult with the hiring manager. But for sure, they post the job, they manage the applicant tracking system, they're an administrator in the applicant tracking system. They do pre-screening, they do the first interview, usually a phone interview, They set up all the following interviews. They sit in most or all of the following interviews. They handle reference checks. They extend offer letters. And they coordinate the first day of work. And sometimes they even handle all of new hire orientation. These recruiters can handle about 10 to 15 company openings at any given time. Some can handle a little more. But once they hit 20 on a regular basis, that becomes more the secondary type of recruiter here. The recruitment project manager. Often, this type of recruiter is assigned to a division or a skill specialty, but not always. They have about 20 to 50 openings at the same time. Sometimes they're all different, and sometimes it's five positions that they're regularly dealing with constant turnover or growing departments. So it's a lot of the same position over and over. These recruiters will rely a bit more on automation. They generally are not ATS administrators. They don't write job descriptions. They'll do phone screens, forward the best candidates to the hiring manager, get feedback, schedule interviews. They become the go-between for communication. They send the rejection notices. They will most likely activate an offer letter and do references or activate reference checking with a service to collect references. They'll schedule the candidate for drug screens and send them information about where to go for the first day of work. Like I said earlier, Both of these types of recruiters can be early in their career or later in their career. Personally, for me, 
I didn't understand about the shift that needed to happen between the two. And I got frustrated because I couldn't keep up when my desk was growing with the business. Looking through postings for companies when they want to add to their team, many don't see the difference either. If you're part of a growing organization, it's really important to understand that there's a skill shift between the two types of openings or determine if you need full cycle to keep it from directly affecting departmental ROI, something again that's not typically talked about when creating recruiting jobs. So now we get to the third type. It's the recruitment program manager. Again, this type is not called out either, but these are high-level recruiters typically working for very large and often international organizations. They might be managing 80 or more openings. They're often ATS administrators, They negotiate with vendors. They create recruitment programs. They look at data. They figure out what works. Those are very high-level bullet points. And believe me, their day is packed with that information. They are behind making the engine run. Many times, they don't have direct reports or even a manager job title. But they are doing some amazing things. So as you build out what your recruiting needs are, take the time to look at what you need accomplished how you want this person to interact with your team. Be aware that if you are hiring a third-party recruiter into a corporate position, they're trained to sell, and that's going to drive your staff nuts. So what processes do you need to put in place to ensure that there's effective communication between your staff and the recruiter? Then look at the recruiter's resume, and just like with the temp service versus third-party service, are you looking for hard skills or are you looking for the soft skills? What on their resume indicates they might have that? What facts in their interview shows you how they do the job and what flexibility they may have towards changes as your company grows? And last thing, recruiters by nature, we love to improve things. So don't be surprised if they try to improve the hiring process starting when they apply. Remember when I spoke about HR being recruiting's nemesis? I stated in the last episode about the postmortem that HR spends revenue, operations makes revenue, and recruiters sit on the fence of it. Nothing frustrates a recruiter worse than limits around finding the right people who are qualified. Believe me when I tell you, most recruiters, they want the business to succeed. They are motivated by identifying the right talent and getting it in the right seat. And they don't like processes that don't make sense. Too many processes in recruiting that we place on the candidate create huge issues for recruiters. We'll continue to explore the whys of that. And like I've stated in other episodes, a lot of recruiters, they don't see themselves as HR. So keep these tips in mind when you're either seeking supplemental help or you're ready to add a recruiter to your team. Thanks for listening to The Rebellious Recruiter. A quick reminder, I'll be bringing you new information every Monday and an occasional interview later on in the week with another thought leader. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening to this and comment, rate, and review. And share this podcast with other leaders that are looking to build out-of-this-world teams and maybe have a penchant for defying best practices. Go ahead and check me out at millsgroupllc.com and drop me a line there with your thoughts or questions. I might use your subject matter in upcoming shows. And thank you for listening. I know you only have so many hours in the week, and I'm grateful to spend this time with you. Until then, make it a great day. I'll see you on the flip side.
This podcast is produced by TH3 Entertainment.